Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You Didn't Know About the Bible. Today, it's my privilege to welcome uh, Dr. Joey Dodson to uh, the podcast. Uh, Dr. Dodson serves currently as an associate professor of New Testament and Denver Seminary. And uh, we were just talking off camera. You've been there about seven years. Is that what you said, Joey? No, I'm in my, I'm start my fourth year in July. Oh, fourth. I'm sorry. Yeah. Boy, I can't even keep that straight, can I? How's this going to go? <laughs> and before that, Joey, and this is when I met him and got to know him a little bit, is he taught at Washita Babish University um, for several years. How long were you at Washita? Uh, 11 years. 11. Wow. Right. And he did his, his doctoral work at Aberdeen. Uh, so that means he gets to uh, wear a skirt on graduation day. <laughs> Don't the students love that, Joey? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I love it. Yeah, he did his uh, uh, doctoral work on Paul, and uh, he's an expert really in understanding uh, first and second century literature, especially philosophers, and trying to put a literary context for uh, how Paul would have been read in his time. Uh, he's uh, published several works, uh, books that are accessible, little book for new Bible scholars. Uh, Dr. Dotson co-wrote that with uh, Dr. Richards, E. Randolph Richards. And then he co-edited a book, uh, Paul and the Giants of Philosophy, which has done really well, uh, made a splash in the scholarly world, and, and people are benefiting from that. Who did you co-edit that with, by the way? Abriones. Ah, and you've got several really good essays in there and to understand Paul and his context. Because Paul, in certain respects, he's an enigma. I mean, sometimes he sounds like a Stoic, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, how do we make sense of this guy? So uh, welcome, Dr. Dotson. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So here's, here's uh, what we're going to explore today. Jesus is not Superman. <laughs> now that may that may seem obvious, but uh, we were just talking again before we started recording that one of the things that we're both interested in is how sometimes American mythical scripts end up influencing the way we read the New Testament and even influencing the way we see Jesus. And and there are some of us might have the mistaken idea that Jesus somehow functions as this superhuman, this superhero, uh, like Superman, who, who does for what us what we can't do it for swoops in, saves the day, leaves us so we can do what we want to do, and when we need him again, we hope Superman shows up and takes care of, of in a miraculous way, when we need help. So here's what I want us to explore, and that is, in the scholarly world, and framing this whole discussion around Jesus is not Superman. Uh, in the scholarly world, there's this um, tension that exists. And it really is it's embedded in the New Testament, all right? So you, so you get books about Jesus and what he came to do when he preached and, the, and his ethic, you know, the subject of what he preached was the kingdom of God. Ethic is follow me. And then here comes Paul also equally inspired, um, and he starts emphasizing what he preaches is not so much the kingdom, but the king. And what you're supposed to do is, he emphasized, believe in Jesus, because he's the son of God. He's the one who, uh, as the righteous 
sacrifice uh, could do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Now, you know, Paul never says that Jesus was perfect. You get that kind of language in, in the letter to the Hebrews by the preacher. But still, Paul has that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteous of God. So this is idea that because Jesus is the Son of God, he's the perfect Son of God, he, he basically... Uh, requires of us, Paul does, to believe in Jesus. And then, this is a misreading of Paul, but then he begins to lay down an ethic, says, okay, do this, don't do that, almost like a moral code uh, of what he wants his churches uh, to live by. So there's this problem. How, how is it that, on the one hand, Jesus is this Son of God divine figure who basically lived perfectly, He's, you know, he's righteous, thoroughly righteous. And yet in the gospel, this perfect son of God says, follow me. And I've even heard Christians say, wait, no, what? no, that can't be. And there's no way we can follow a perfect man. How do, how do, I don't even have a story like his, you know, born of a virgin, the son of God, he who was equal with God, Paul quotes that hymn, did not regard a quality of God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself. So there's this idea of Jesus kind of almost gave up divine privilege and status, and some even think power, uh, to become a man and become something that kind of that's different from what he really was. And so there's a lot to talk about here, but I wanted to discuss with Dr. Dotson this, this idea that that Jesus is not Superman, and how does he how does he deal with this Jesus Paul question? Good, yeah, thank you. Uh, if scholars were cheerleaders, uh, you would have some scholars on the one hand, perhaps would be you know, uh, we love Jesus, yes we do, we love Jesus. How about you? Uh, and you'd have maybe a, another group that would be, uh, and this maybe worked only in Arkansas, but no, we're all about Paul, y'all. Um, and so you have the the pitting against this. And I've had fun with it. When I was at Washita, a student came and asked me uh, about the seemingly discrepancy between how Judas dies in Matthew's gospel over against what we see in Acts. And I just quipped that, I don't know, you have to go ask Dr. Duvall because I'm not a gospel guy. Uh, and I mean it as meant it as a joke, um, but you do see this. And um, even though in the scholarly world, um, that has been the case of uh, it is filtering down into the church. You have uh, what we call like the red letter Christians. Um, they're like, yeah, we love Paul or we love Jesus, but you can have the Paul. And uh, the focus is on the kingdom and love. And then uh, you have the, the Paul guy, the, the reform formers who want to focus on the righteousness by faith and uh, the justice and those things. And so you do see friendly rivalry. And what ha often happens in that case is that um, at least in, in the popular level, uh, it, they become conflating, and it's a misreading of Jesus and a misreading of Paul. You know, the thing about the New Testament is, I mean, the New Testament puts this literature together, and, and even though Jesus is not quoted by Paul very often, boy, Paul relies a lot on Jesus' tradition mm -hmm. that he's received, emphasizes that. You know, what I received, I delivered to you, and that's the surety of his gospel. And so they're, they're not as far apart, especially, and we're not going to go down this path, Dr. Dodson, although I'm sure he could love to talk about this. When you think about apocalyptic, Jewish apocalyptic thinking, oh, my goodness, ah, right. Jesus and Paul are on the same page. That's right. All right. So, but going back to the problem, mm -hmm. 
for those who do gravitate toward Paul and see Jesus as almost like a Superman, and mm-hmm. then try to develop, if you will, a not a hostile positions toward, but this they kind of shoo away. You know, they they kind of shout down this idea of following Jesus. You don't hear them talk that way, like you mentioned the red letter Christians. So let, let's explore the problem with that, shall we? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. w- why is it a problem that Jesus is a Superman? Because I think maybe a number of lay people would have no no issue with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you mind if I back up and just talk about the problem between pitting Jesus and Paul? This just, dude. Uh, another, you another bet. That. Uh, because I'm a Paul guy, as you mentioned at the beginning. So I roll with Paul. He's my boy. And uh, when people are like, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like Paul. My question is, which Jesus? Are we talking about Matthew's Jesus? Are we talking about Mark's Jesus? Are we talking about Luke's Jesus? Are we talking about John's Jesus? Oh, um, wait a minute. So that's a good point. But does that get you in trouble? Like, what do you mean there are many Jesuses in the Gospels? <laughs> I, I, it does get me in trouble sometimes. But we need to understand that uh, the early church, when they put the Gospels together, it wasn't that all these Gospels said the same thing. They had their own message. And their own facet that they're bringing out about Jesus. Just like John says, as you know, you've written a great book on it. Uh, there's so many things to say about Jesus. There's not enough books in the world uh, for us to write write them down. But each one of them have their own influence and emphasis about Jesus that we don't see. And so if you look at John's Jesus, bringing in the apocalyptic, because John, who also, I believe, wrote, wrote the fourth gospel and the book of Revelation, uh, John's Jesus and Paul's Jesus, uh, they're 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 very close together. Um, I went, I did a postdoc at the University of Tübingen in Germany, and they're they're the Tübingen school has this idea of even putting like Matthew over against Paul. Hmm. So Matthew Jesus is going to come and say, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, uh, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." And they're going to say, "See, this is Matthew's Jesus that's uh, going over against Paul, who says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart." Uh, but th- that's a bad reading of both Matthew and of Romans. Or they jump in early in that Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, you know, anybody who sets the least of the commandments aside is yeah. least in the kingdom. So here comes Paul going, you know, the law's dead. <laughs> you know, who needs the law? We don't need the law. You know, yeah. it's worn out. Sin uses it against us. We're free from the law. And, yeah. and so that's another place where you could almost say, well, look at here, Matthew tends to speak in obedience to the law. Jesus, you know, keep the law. All the law is fulfilled if you do these two commandments, mm-hmm. where Paul emphasizes almost this slavery to the law that leads to what he thinks is a fleshly life. So mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, but but you don't blame them, right? Because you see this, this kind of emphasis in Matthew, you see this emphasis in Paul, and, and the same thing happens with Paul and James, right, with regards right. to faith and works. So yeah. to say that there are no rough edges in the mm-hmm. New Testament, there are. Yeah. There's some nuances. There's some different emphases. So you're making a really good point that the way Matthew presents Jesus, he has a different agenda, you might say. Now, are they mutually exclusive? Not at all. You you can get a whole picture of Jesus through all four Gospels and Paul. That's right. But if you homogenize him and turn Mm. him into this one thing and ignore the uniqueness that Matthew's bringing or John or Paul— then mm-hmm. you're ignoring part of the New Testament, and that's equally as dangerous. Yeah. 
That's exactly right. I think we err on two sides. On the one side, uh, there are those who just want to emphasize the differences, uh, the seemingly contradictions between Paul and Jesus. Um, on the other hand, other side, where I grew up, uh, we want to ignore those or iron them out. Um, but uh, the truth, again, with everything is in the middle where we acknowledge those and we ask the question, why is there a uh, friction here? And often it's maybe rhetorical. Um, often it may be uh, the audience, the intended audience, and the purpose of Matthew's gospel uh, in contrast maybe to what we see Paul writing in 2 Corinthians. And so the audience makes a difference. And then also very often there's these systems that created that uh, don't take it all into account. And so we see Paul say in Romans 1, is it uh, 5, no, verse 10, that uh, I came to preach uh, a gospel that produces a uh, faith that produces obedience. And so faith producing obedience, man, that gels very well. It coalesces with what we see in Matthew 5 through 7 and in James. And so there's um, some poor reading uh, that happens within these systems. Oh, that's a really good point. So what happens when we rip these verses out of context and we make them sound like they're debating? Isn't that, by the way, isn't that kind of a common cultural script we see today in social discourse? Rather than look at nuances of positions, rather yeah. than say, you know, we agree more than we disagree about this. What mm -hmm. is it about our social context right now? Well, we love to take maybe a soundbite here, a soundbite there, these people that you really wouldn't think as necessarily opponents, or maybe they are, maybe they come from two political parties. And we, yeah. we assume that somehow if they fight it out, and these differences that, that, what is that? Is that entertainment? Do we think we're going to make any progress? I don't know. It's frustrating. <laughs> because the same thing happens when it mm -hmm. comes to Christianity. We, right. Like you said, there are some people who almost smugly says, well, we're red-letter Christians, acting mm -hmm. as if the words of Jesus somehow ripped from the context of the black letters are more important. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then if that's the case, then why? Uh, so these gospel writers wasted a lot of time with narrative. They sure wasted a lot of time telling right. us what Jesus did. We just need to know what he said. Really? Uh, right. Really. And uh, then and as you know, that's arbitrary as well. We don't know if Jesus said John 3.16 or if John, the narrator, oh, said Oh, boy, now he's really introduced something here. That's right, because at times, yeah, mm -hmm. who makes the decision on what's red letters? <laughs> obviously, there are some places where it's at, and Jesus said, Right. Well, quotation, mm -hmm. you know, the Greek text doesn't have this punctuation, but we know through a haughty clause, oh, here's something, he's, um, we, we know he says this. But you're right, in John's <laughs> Gospel, it's difficult to tell the difference between the narrator who speaks mm -hmm. in the third person, and sometimes Jesus himself will speak in the third person. That's right. And yeah. when do we know Jesus' word stop, and when does the narrator begin? Oh, my goodness. We've gone down all kinds of paths. So I'm going to bring us back then to think about the the challenge. And it, it, it's a good work to do, to, to read the whole New Testament, to constantly be involved in, in recognizing the canon is one, and... And the early church saw these as not dissonant voices, but as voices that are nuancing different parts of the full-orbed gospel. Jesus himself was such an important figure. No single facet can explain him. And it's just There's so much to talk about with regards to the whole of the New Testament. Mm. But this tendency to try to champion Paul against Jesus— mm -hmm. Or even this idea that, you know, you know, I 
he's he's the perfect son of God. Why in the world? Nowhere in Paul's letters does he say follow Jesus. You know. So how in the world can we follow someone who is perfect? How because really what we need is a superman. Or in the German expression an Ubermensch, you know, the one who who defies what it almost defies what it means to be human. Indeed, he's something other than human. And therefore, the, the best we can do is just champion him as the Superman who was perfect and just lived the beautiful life, perfect life. He died the perfect death. God raised him from the dead. And therefore, our hope in him is a matter of simply believing that that's true. And so Jesus is reduced, if you will, to a theological idea or a theological necessity. Let's explore, Dr. Dobson, why, why is that deficient? Why, why is that not enough? Obviously because of the Gospels, but even within Paul, why is that not enough? Yeah, well, let's stick with the Gospels, then we'll come to Paul. With um, Mark's Gospel, to talk about the different emphases that we have, Mark is going to make sure that we understand the humanity of Jesus even more so than Matthew and Luke. Uh, and so Jesus' favorite term for himself is son of man. It's not Superman or Bunda Kid. You know, it's uh, I'm one uh, of you, son of man. And Jesus gets angry. You know, and so uh, we have this tendency, uh, and and you know the term, but uh, where it's almost like Jesus uh, wasn't really a person. He just like seemed like a person. Mm. He wasn't really in the flesh, is what they're going to say uh, in early heresies. Uh, it just seemed like he was in the flesh, the docetism. And although we don't believe that as Christians. We, we do seem to try to distance Jesus from that humanity. We don't like picturing Jesus sweating um, and stinking, having stinking armpits. Uh, we don't like the idea of Jesus having pimples and going to the restroom or whatever it may be. Um, but the early church, and especially Mark's gospel, as he is giving it to us, probably through the voice of Peter, is wanting us to emphasize um, the humanity of Jesus, that he wasn't a superman. He got angry. He got tired. Uh, he got sad and grieved and went away. And he's at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is uh, praying for the cup not to, 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 not to have to drink the cup. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think we see one reason it's important to emphasize Jesus as humanity is because the Gospels want us to see that um, as well. Yes, and so Mark does not have the story of the virgin birth. Now, mm -hmm. it, there's no way that Mark would deny that, but isn't exactly. it fascinating? He says, I'm going to tell a story about the Gospel. I'm going to tell the story of Jesus because Jesus is the Gospel. Yeah. Let's see, where do I start? And he doesn't make the same uh, decision as Matthew or Luke. He does not tell the story of this miraculous birth that yeah. Matthew and Luke tell that we believe— Right. But but Mark thinks he can tell the gospel story about Jesus without a fantastic, miraculous beginning. He just yeah. starts with John the Baptizer. John the Baptizer right. does his thing, then gets out of the way, and here comes Jesus, the announced one. And, and even the way he ends the gospel—this mm -hmm. is a little controversial for some, but— our earliest manuscript evidence, you know, John's go uh, Mark's gospel ends with chapter 16, verse 8, I think— uh, where where basically the tomb is empty and there's a stranger there in white clothes that says he's not here, he's risen, and the women leave in fear and they don't say anything, and that's the end of the gospel. So all you get in Mark is an empty tomb. You don't get to see the resurrected body. All you get in Mark is you don't get this magnificent story of virgin birth and angels and all that happened there. All you get is this prophet showing up claiming to bring in the kingdom of God 
And Mark presents it as, this is the good news of Jesus, the Son of God. So isn't it interesting, he titles his book with this claim of divinity, and yet he tells this very human story. Jesus Ah. is astonished at times. Mm -hmm. Mark loves that. And Jesus was astonished. Well, wait a minute, if he knows everything, how could he be surprised? So this this tendency of uh, of lay people i think and and christians all of us mm-hmm. is some for some reason we want to deify jesus so much uh, he barely touches the ground when he walks or he he the fact that he would never get sick or and of course mm-hmm. the whole thing about his death how do you explain the suffering of his death mm-hmm. uh yeah so that that in and of itself it's hard to pick up Mark and hold on to Jesus as Superman mm-hmm. to a certain extent because he shares our weaknesses, as the preacher says yeah. in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one uh, parallel with Mark's Jesus and our Superman is that this messianic secret uh, theme. Um, and so there, there is Jesus like Superman, or more better said, Superman like Jesus, and that um, don't, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Jesus, you know, he was born of a carpenter's. Uh, wife and uh in no town nazareth and then you have superman in kansas uh, with uh, jonathan and martha and so the the secret idea is something that we do have some parallels with our superman today and his abilities i mean even in mark's gospel he seems to have superhuman ability walking on water calming the sea he doesn't leap over buildings in a single bound and by the way I've often wondered, you know, if he could walk on water, why not do more, right? Uh, <laughs> why wouldn't he fly around if he could? Uh, so, and that may sound sacrilegious, but I'm just pushing, the, the, if you will, into the foreground the problem of of superimposing this superhero on Jesus. So, I'm going to jump to superhero now for a while and talk okay. to you, why do you think that's so important to Americans? I mean, the Superman myth is so important to us and yeah. how we almost baptize Jesus into that mythos that we end up losing the significance of who Jesus is in all his humanity as well as his deity. Yeah, there's probably a number of different answers to that, but the one that I'll start off with at least is um, how Superman represents uh, nationalism. I mean, if you remember, Superman is for truth, justice, and the American way. And the American way. Exactly. Um, and so you, you have this idea of um, the superhero and uh, American nationalism coming together, uh, which may mirror um, our tendency of the church today to uh, mesh together Christianity and the United States as God's um, country, if you will. So when the meteor falls from Krypton, it doesn't mm-hmm. fall in the middle of Russia. No way it would That's do right. that. Yeah. There's no way it's going to fall, uh, <laughs> even on the east and west coast, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to yeah. fall into the heart of America. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And raised by a Kansas <laughs> couple. I mean, that is like... You know, truth, justice, American way. That's the that's the breadbasket. That's mm-hmm. the the salt of the earth kind of guy that we want to be our superhero. So it's fascinating that you link that. That so he keeps his identity a secret. The whole phone booth thing and has to yeah, yeah. he 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 doubles as your every man, and yet he can become this person when we need him. Yeah. What what? So it, it does foster kind of a, an American centric. 
That's right. uh, a story that we we see ourselves as the most important nation. Even some would suggest that God looks down from heaven and sees all these geopolitical, you know, realities, and He looks at America and goes, "Now that's my favorite one right there. That's that's yeah. my favorite one." Right. What else? What What are some other reasons why we love the Superman myth? Yeah. A couple of quick uh, sides. I have ADHD. We probably should have given your uh, listeners a warning for that. But there is a uh, superhero. There's a Superman story where he actually accidentally lands in Russia. Oh, really? America. Um, but by the end of it, uh, to spoil it, um, he ends up coming around to the American way. So even though at one point he's promoting communism and all of this stuff, he ends up uh, becoming uh, an American at the end. But wow! It's, it's so only a superhero nerd would know that. So that's what you <laughs> are, Joey, right? I love Superman. I do. Uh, actually, I have a Superman lunchbox from the 1980s that I used to carry to school um, with my Wonder Bread and uh, ham and cheese. And I was always a Batman guy. I I don't know Batman. I like I don't know if it was the Dark Knight, you know, or the idea he is a, you know, he's a, a average guy, but he has such fun toys that helps him do things that no one else could do. And Batman was, and of course the cool car. I, you know, Superman doesn't need a car, but oh my goodness, Batman's car was so cool. I'm even thinking of the campy, especially the campy '60 series that I grew up with. That's right. Yeah, Superman always just came off as a little too, I don't know, clean, a little too righteous. I just too, a little too superheroish for me. I guess I don't know. So yeah, he- so. So uh, what? So tell us why else? Why else do you think Superman has lodged uh, in our national consciousness as someone we want? I mean, we do love a good hero in in America, yeah. don't we? Yeah, and it's it's not new to go back to your God country uh, idea. So I live in Colorado. There's a country western song that says um, Colorado is always on my mind. If it's not where God calls home, I bet it's where he spends most of his time. Uh, and so uh, whether it's Colorado or we extrapolate that to Texas, my friends in Texas, they, you know, it's Texas forever or my California friends. We, we have this idea that we just love our land and our place and it's special uh, to God. And uh, th- we have this manifest destiny idea that goes way back in the American roots that we're the new Israel. Uh, but in truth, um, we're really probably more the new Rome um, to, to borrow from John and Revelation. Uh, we're more like Rome than we are like um, the new Israel uh, and Rome uh, also had a fascination with a superhero. Um, his name wasn't Clark Kent. Um, it was Hercules. Um, and we see that Hercules was the most popular figure uh, in the uh, ancient world. Um, he was unparalleled. And he also, by the way, was called son of God. And what we see happening is that uh, the uh, Caesars, the kings, began to put on the same mantle as, as Hercules. Hercules represented truth, justice, and the Roman way. And Hercules was known to walk on water, um, by the way. Um, Hercules was known to uh, uh, have healing. And in fact, um, whereas our Jew- the Jewish uh, people during that time would put Deuteronomy 6 on their doorpost, and many of the Gentiles would put on their doorpost, um, uh, the triumphant, glorious uh, Hercules dwells here. Uh, nothing evil passes away as a protection. And so we see very early on um, a fascination with kind of their Superman of the day, and we see parallels of this with scripture, right? Um, and so uh, there was an idea that Hercules was uh, born of a virgin. And uh, when uh, we find out that this virgin uh, is pregnant, uh, Hercules' father uh, refuses to uh, have sex with her until the baby is born. Um, when the baby is born, uh, the cosmic enemies try to kill Hercules. Uh, sounds very similar to, wow. to Um 
we, we don't know much about Hercules's boyhood, um, similar to that. Um, but when he came as a man, he had a great temptation. A dame folly and lady wisdom come before him. He has to choose and uh, he chooses the way of suffering. He's misunderstood by the people of his day. Um, and um, but he goes and does and it's actually called his seven great wonders are called seven great missions for the people. Um, and uh, part of that is he goes down to hell and he conquers death and he sets the captives free. And so this is very, very popular uh, while while the New Testament is being written. Uh, so many of the, the parallels that we have. And uh, we see that even the early Christians have to begin to talk about this. So Justin Martyr and Origen um, are two uh, early church guys who say, wait a second, the, the same thing that the Romans are saying about Hercules, we, we, we say about Jesus. Um, but the difference is, is that Hercules is a myth and ours is the true myth. Ours uh. is the true story. Um, um, that, and we even see, if, sorry, I'm getting into the weeds a little bit, but when Constantine uh, legalized Christianity, if you remember that, um, right after Constantine, there was a guy called Julian. Um, his, his, his nickname is Julian the Apostate because he wants to make Rome great again um, and to push back against Christianity. And so the way that Julian makes Rome great again is that he says, we don't need that Jesus because we have Hercules, and Hercules is part of a holy trinity. He walks on water, and they begin to borrow stories of the Bible um, uh, to put on Hercules in order to promote the Roman way, because uh, for many of them, the Roman way, uh, the kingdom of Rome looked a lot different than Jesus' kingdom of God that Constantine had brought in. And so in, in many ways, I feel like the American uh, motif and theme and attraction to Superman uh, relates back to Rome's a fascination with Hercules. Because Rome had this sense of a manifest destiny, right? The the glory yeah. of Rome. The, the reason the gods made Rome so powerful and supreme right. was to benefit the you know all oh. these people, not only the 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 senatorial provinces with Roman citizenship and, or maybe colonies yeah. in the imperial provinces, but to even benefit conquered imperial subjects with the mm -hmm. superior Roman way of life, which is, you know, law which is a better life through mm -hmm. uh, economic possibilities because of the connection of roads. That's right. And this idea not only of Roman justice, um, mm -hmm. but also Roman peace. They, they, right. they believe the only way that the world can even prosper is through military strength that, that settles the ethnic <laughs> conflicts and military presence is really a benefit to these imperial subjects. Right. Can't you see these Roman soldiers are doing you a favor? <laughs> and there were some Jews, by the way, who agreed with that. They, you know, exactly. that, that, yeah. Because they, yeah. and Paul himself was a Roman citizen, maybe saw some of the benefits of that. All right. I so, see Josephus behind you, and he was one of the Jewish people that uh, championed Rome as God's people. Yeah, and I'm, I think I'm in yeah. Josh's office, right. so think about okay. that. He, he's, he, that's a pretty well-read media guy, huh? All right, so mm -hmm. here's what I want to come back to then. Okay. If what 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 is it about this Hercules myth? What is it about this Superman myth? Why do we want this so badly? Why did um, the Romans want it so badly? Mm -hmm. Is it because we we think perhaps that uh, humanity at large can can achieve that? Is it because we we want a superhuman among us? That we can applaud and venerate and and 
empower and, and, and recognize and so they can do for us what we can't do of ourselves so we can just live our own life. I mean, what's going on? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to put us on the couch and psychologize this, but I <laughs> think something's going on sociologically here. Uh, as you were talking, the whole first century battle, you might say, with the Hercules myth, so it doesn't pollute, you might say, the, the Jesus yeah. story. It seems to me we're facing the same challenge, and maybe it's for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? Why do we love this so much, Dr. Dobson? I think we'll start off with the, the positive. Um, both Jesus and Hercules were the ones who saved us from death, the fear of death and the power of that. And so Hercules was the one who overcame death. He went and sat at the right hand of Jupiter, uh, a.k.a. Zeus, who gives him his... Uh, um, his lightning rod. Uh, he makes peace with all the earth and he protects his people. And so there is there is that desire for us Almost to be- Almost like Rome. I mean, he, he's the personification of Rome. Exactly. So Nero, he he wore Hercules' outfit. And when people would approach Nero, they would cry out, um, hell Hercules. Um, really? And I so didn't know that. There is this uh, connection between uh, this, this Hercules um, and uh, him being manifest uh, in the, the kingdom of Rome. Uh, but what we see with, with Jesus is that there, there's that reality where, again, Hercules is his myth, that Jesus is the true. He has really redeemed us from the power of sin and death so that in the words of Isaiah, a.k.a. Paul, also connected with Paul, death, where is your sting? Where is it? Where is its victory? It's been swallowed up. And so the bodily resurrection of Jesus is going to be that that's different from Hercules. And so his bodily resurrection is that gives us that hope, as we see in First Corinthians 15, that if Christ didn't raise from the dead bodily, then we're the worst of all sinners. Uh, you know, we're still to be pitied about everyone else. We're still in our sin and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, so I do think that there is a value for us looking for this Superman type of figure. Uh, but what we're going to see with the New Testament um, is that Jesus is not Superman, uh, not Hercules. Instead, he is greater than Superman. He is greater than Hercules. And so in this sense, um, as you were talking about earlier, uh, Jesus calls us to become like him. Um, and so even the phrase Christian is the little Christ. And so uh, the people during the, the time of Hercules or, or Superman, they didn't try to become like uh, him. But right. we have Jesus. And Hercules never expects people to be like him because he's doing he, on what only he can do. Exactly. And when you die, you, you live your best you can. When you, and Hercules protects you. When you die, you get to go to heaven and, and be with Hercules without a body. But with Christ, um, there is that call to be perfect as I am perfect, to, to imitate me. And the world's going to hate you just like it hates me. Um, and we see with Paul that uh, even our suffering, God is using that to conform us to the image of God. And another thing that happens is that uh, it's through the agency of Christ. And so we have the spirit of Christ that's within us that enables us to do it. So um, it's uh, the grace of God working inside of us that helps us become like Christ, um, helps us to uh, walk in his image. And so that that's a strong difference here. Whereas uh, the Superman idea or the Hercules idea is that he saved us and we just live like we want to live. And one day we get to die and go and hang out with Hercules and Jupiter and Hera and all of the great gods on Mount Olympus. Um, but for us, um, uh, because Christ died, uh, God has called us to share in his suffering, in his power, and to pick up our cross and follow him daily um, by giving our life um, for those who hate us, um, giving our lives for the uh, disenfranchised and the hurting. That's very good. So, you know, we pitted Paul against Jesus early on in, in this whole scholarly debate that happens. But, I mean, Paul does say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. he, he's convinced that 
Christ's life is worthy of imitation, and the reason it's worthy is because his spirit lives in us, that he can work his power within us from the inside out. So Christ is more than just a model to look at, and we try to act like him and live like him, because think about it. You know, for Paul, primarily, and this goes back to your point about the different parts of the New Testament addressing different audiences, Paul's yeah. primary audience were Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And he did right. not think, you know, be like Jesus, get circumcised. Mm-hmm. He did not think you have to become a Jew, right, yeah. to right. imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't even think that you've got to be a single man, although he loved being single and he's held it up as a high yeah. standard. Even mm-hmm. married people can can be like Jesus. So this mm-hmm. idea that Paul somehow jettisons this notion of being like Christ, you know, unlike Superman, like Superman nowhere in the midst says, and by the way, I'm going to set up a school on how to teach a bunch of people how to be little Supermans. I mean, nowhere does he say, follow me, but here's this Jesus, the mm-hmm. son of God, son of man, who calls disciples to follow him, to learn from him. That word in Greek is be my disciple. And then yeah, G- yeah. and Paul comes along and says, you know what? Uh, we are to imitate Christ, be like mm-hmm. Christ, and here's yeah. how. His Spirit lives in us and empowers us. If we walk in that Spirit, yield yeah. to it. We participate in the life of Jesus, mm-hmm. live by an ethic that's higher. Yeah. Paul often says, prefer others above yourself, right, mm-hmm. like right. Christ did. Yeah. He, we also participate in his death. That's it's right. not just cru- Jesus was not just crucified for us. Paul yeah. says we're to be crucified with Christ and right. buried with him and even experience his resurrection now in our life yeah. because one day our bodies will be raised from the dead. I mean, there's a whole gamut <laughs> of Pauline spirituality, you know, that we yeah. could just kind of ignore or miss, which for him yeah. is constitutive of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. So we talked about the different flavors uh, or emphases of the gospel writers uh, with respect to uh, Jesus. But even in Christianity, because we are on this side of the Reformation, uh, we often like to emphasize righteousness by faith. You know, justification by faith alone is where many of my Baptist brothers and sisters are going to stake their claim. Um, And that is very important for Paul. Um, But Paul's also going to use other phrases like being in Christ Mm -hmm. and being on Christ. And so sometimes... Uh, our justification by faith alone, if we just stop there, looks more like the Superman, the Hercules type of idea. But as you bring in this idea of us being conformed to his image, us putting on Christ, taking off our old self, us um, being baptized in Christ, um, as you mentioned in Romans chapter 6, that um, there, there's another emphasis of salvation, that as we are in Christ, um, as we participate in his death and his resurrection, uh, that's where we become like him. And so, yeah, I think that that may be uh, uh, something that we see that sets Jesus apart from Superman and that he's greater than Superman. Yes, justification by faith. Yes, he died. Yes, he sets us free. But now that we are in him and that we can put on him, uh, we uh, participate in his life. He even talks about the new man, and, and scholars say, oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a- they call it Adam Christology, where the mm-hmm. first Adam, a man, mm-hmm brought sin into the world because of disobedience. The second Adam, a man, Christ Jesus, because of obedience, brings life and righteousness. So the idea of putting on a new man or putting on Christ-like clothes Mm -hmm. is this idea of, if you will, living Mm -hmm. what we believe. 
that Jesus is not only the Son of God who could do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but he's the Son of Man that very much Mm -hmm. shows us what it truly means to be human. He's the Mm -hmm. image of God that God wanted from the beginning. Yeah. And that's an important idea for Paul as well. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not Superman. We, we, <laughs> we've, got, we've taken quite a circuitous path and discussed all kinds of things, and it's really enlightening. I did not know this about uh, the Hercules myth and how strong it was in Roman society and how there are parallels with, with, with American society and this sense of greatness that we have and a nationalism that pours in this idea that, that uh, somehow can foster up the Superman myth. What we're trying to say is, you know, Jesus is so much more than that. He not Mm -hmm. only wants us to, uh, he he not only is crucified for us, he expects us to be crucified for him. Yep. And And, with him. And with him. Exactly right. Yeah. And pick up a cross and follow him. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dotson, thanks so much. We had a great conversation I, we could talk a lot more about this. I, I think we could have brought out his inner geek and nerd, you know, his superhero, even more. Did that come out? Yeah, it did. But we could do it even more if we gave you opportunity. And I know you've written an essay about this, haven't you, about this whole Mer- Hercules myth as it compares to Christianity? Where could they find that? We're going to put in our show notes. Yeah, it's in Catholic Biblical Quarterly, so it's pretty uh, ivory tower stuff, but I'm trying to convince my firstborn son to write a popular book with Jesus and Hercules. Um, oh. uh, because uh, in the first century, when Paul is writing and when the gospels are being written, the two biggest, two of the biggest blockbuster hits during that time, both involved the life of Hercules and one, his ascension to uh, live beside Jupiter. So a lot more there, but wow. Um, wow. yeah, it's going to be, it's a CBQ article right now, but hopefully I'll get something out there that can be uh, more for general audience. More accessible. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, Joey, thanks so much. I enjoyed our conversation. We'll love to have you back. Could you come back sometime? We talk about Star Wars and Jesus. I'm wow. Just yeah. <laughs> uh, I really want to explore some of your work in uh, the Stoic philosophers. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And talk about why why Paul sounds like a Stoic. Yeah. But maybe he's not. Or or, or talk about um, some of the influences and what is Stoicism and and uh, try to make sense of this whole idea mm-hmm. of, of renewing your mind and how, why that's so important for Paul mm-hmm. uh, in the same way yet different from the Stoics of, of his day and perhaps the Stoicism that is popular even today. Can we do that sometime yeah, in the future? We can, yeah. I wrote the um, essay on philosophy in the New Dictionary of Paul, and it does a lot with that. So Very good. Um, so the new yeah. dictionary, Paul and his letters, published by IVP. It's come, sometimes called the Black Volume. This is the second <laughs> edition. It came yeah. out just a, like a month or two ago, and Dr. Dotson wrote the entry on uh, under philosophy. Philosophy, correct. Yeah. yeah. So it gets into all of that as well. Well, we'll have you back sometime. We'll explore some of that. That'd be fun. I hope uh, you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Joey Dotson, what you didn't know about the Bible. Yeah.